Hey, this is Ari Shapiro, and you're listening to PS Tape Recorder on the internet. Hello there, I'm PF, this is my tape recorder. Coming up, wait, wait, it's Alonzo Bowden. I talk about all of that, some of the lighter stuff, I mean, being single and the fact that now, between swipe and right and Uber, you know, you literally can get women delivered to the house. So we're living in an unprecedented time. Actually, I'm not sure he's still doing that program, but Alonzo Bowden uh, was on our show five years ago, which means we've been doing this show for a long time, and we had a, a great chat with him, of course. Uh, we're going to have a song of the week coming up from George Ezra. Uh, but as always, we first have a dumb bit. We haven't had one of these for a while. It's Facebook, not Factbook. So I'm going through my Facebook feed, minding my own business as usual, and I see a meme with President Obama on top, President Trump on the bottom. And the Trump half says this man had 1,715 acts of clemency, including 504 life sentences, 212 pardons, and released terrorists back to the battlefield. He is loved for this. And then on the bottom is President Trump, looking very sweaty, as a matter of fact. Uh, but it says, this man pardons an 85-year-old sheriff with over 50 years of public service for upholding his constitutional oath of office. He's hated for it. And, uh, well, with some of these things, of course, uh, there is some truth to this. All these numbers, actually, on the Obama half are right. The bottom half is very misleading. Release terrorists back to the battlefield. Well, we'll let um, NBC White House correspondent Pete Alexander explain. So the claim from President Trump is that 122 vicious prisoners were released under the Obama administration. We went to the computer simply and went to the director of national intelligence's latest report that was recently released. And we found that, in fact, 122 detainees, as the military prefers refer to them, have been released from Guantanamo Bay. But here's what's notable. 113 of them, in fact, were released by President Bush under his administration. Just nine of them were released by President Obama. So as you can see, uh, that is like 8% true. Uh, and then these other numbers are correct, but I looked all these up. Uh, the 504 life sentences, uh, those were just commuted down to other sentences. And I went through the beginning of the list. I got about 50 in all drug offenses. This is all from the war on drugs. And of course, we have the controversy around that. Should we be sentencing people to life in prison? Yeah, you're breaking the law. You should be punished. But uh, we're going a little too far, sticking people, I mean, murderers and, and people like that. They, they belong in prison for life. But anyway. So anyway, and then to the bottom half of this thing, the, uh, the 85-year-old sheriff holding up his constitutional oath. No, actually, he was uh, found in contempt of court by a federal judge, which is the opposite of holding up your constitutional oath. Now, you can argue, well, a pardon's a pardon. That's, that's what a pardon is for, because you know, been, there may have been something done wrong, but there was a reason for it and, and whatever. So that's fine, but don't, don't try to run this by me that uh, he's holding, holding up his constitutional oath of office when he's found in contempt. Good grief. And as always, a little bit of Googling uh, can, can, can clear all these things up. And, and why, if you're going to criticize President Obama or defend Trump or both, why wouldn't you want to have all the facts on your side and explain the facts and not kind of leave this little murky gray area and all these questions? It, it doesn't make a very strong point. And I will use as an example that one of uh, Trump that's still going around, where it says back in the 80s on Oprah, he said he'd run for president and he'd target Fox News viewers. And he's like, well, you need to look that up to realize that's bogus because there was no Fox News back then. But again, people still, they pass that around and they still believe it, uh, much to the detriment uh, of the left. But anyway, like I said, I think um, 
the left bat's about 750 on their memes, and I think the uh, the other side does a lot worse than that. So anyway, the lesson to this, as always, is when you see, especially these memes in your Facebook feed, uh, do a little research. It takes you, I guarantee, you take you less than a minute in most cases, and then you will find out. It's Facebook, not Factbook. Alonzo Bowden is a stand-up comedian who first came to our attention on Last Comic Standing as a contestant on that series. Uh, he's also been a regular on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR game show. He is uh, involved in many TV projects uh, all the time. And when he's not doing that, he's headlining clubs across the country. Here now is our interview with Alonzo Bowden. Hey, Alonzo. Good to talk to you again, man. How you doing? Good. I uh, was telling your publicist, um, you'd, you'd been on the podcast before, but it was like five years ago. I'm like, I can't believe it's been five years since we spoke to Alonzo. Yeah, it's been that long. Yeah, I was back when I did the, uh, the club that was across the bridge in Kentucky, right? The old club. Yeah, which they're uh, supposed to be remodeling, and they're going to reopen that, and they're going to have both rooms, uh, the one there and then the one where you're going to be. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, listen, I am in a uh, car. I'm just getting to where I'm going. Can I call you back in like five, ten minutes? Uh, sure. Okay, it'll just be a few minutes, but I'd rather do it that way than do oh, it while riding. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's fine. All right, thanks. All right, bye-bye. Not much, man. Um, so, uh, I was going to ask you, because it's been uh, five years, of course, uh, I guess a good place to start is what's new with you? What You always seem to be involved in one or two three or four projects <laughs> well let's see uh, I just finished a great run at the Despalast Comedy Festival in Montreal okay yeah a lot of, uh, a lot of folks were there we just talked to Andy Kindler as a matter of fact uh, oh yeah yeah Andy always does a state of the industry address yep which is fun so that was that, I had a good run up there I hosted the ethnic show which is one that they would never allow in the United States and we're too politically correct scared of it. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, what is that? And, what, what? Well, it's, it's just that. It's like, uh, well, let's see. I was a black guy. Then we had Vlad Camano, who's Dominican. And then we had the duo, uh, uh, duo who were Italian guys. We had a Portuguese guy. We had Steve Byrne, who's Asian oh, yeah. and Irish, which I think he's the only Asian-Irish person on earth. I think so. And then we had... Uh, Jessica Kirsten, who's hilarious, this Jewish woman from New York. So, yes, everybody, you know, we're all different, joking about ethnicities and, and differences and stuff like that. It was a great show. So we did that run for two weeks, and then I, I hosted the Just for Laughs Awards, which was a, a blast. They honored uh, people like Ali Wong, the best up-and-coming oh, yeah. artist. And, uh, Friend of the show. Uh, Trevor Noah got an award. Jim Carrey got kind of a lifetime achievement. So it was fun. I was so I was up at the festival, and now that's over. Now it's back to the clubs and um, auditioning, and you know, hustling. There you go. It's got to do, man. So my, my former boss used to say, he, "We worked at the uh, airport here in Cincinnati, and sometimes we'd like, you know, as as you would do in business, you steal, you know, better talent." And we'd say, "Oh, well, how about you know, so and so?" And he'd be like, I "I've seen them work. They're not hustling." <laughs> that was the whole thing. Yeah, they. They taught me a long time ago, work begets work, so yeah, I try to stay busy. And never say no. Yeah, exactly. Although sometimes I found lately I've had to say no, because it's, it's 
But anyway, um, so what do you talk about on stage these days? I know you've always been, I haven't been like super political, but you know, a lot of folks are talking to these days, even people that have never done political comedy, now have at least one or two jokes in their set because of just, you know, well, so pervasive. I've always liked doing, I like to call it social commentary, you know? So it's politics, it's uh, issues of the day, it's, uh, it might be, I don't know, what do we call them now? Personalities, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, obviously, with Donald Trump, you can't not talk about Donald Trump, right? Exactly. But my thing is, I just don't want the whole, my whole hour isn't going to be about Donald Trump, because that gets old. It gets to be kind of one note. But you can't, you can't ignore the fact that, uh, you know, our president runs on Twitter. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, you know now, now we all got to worry about nuclear war with North Korea, which to me, I don't know how to, like, when did North Korea suddenly get missiles? The last I checked, their missiles had like a 10-mile range, yeah. and now suddenly we got to worry about them getting to Guam? Like, what, did, they, did they figure out how to do that? I don't know. So, you know. <laughs> And, and, you know, you got a president who's talking like uh, a WWE wrestler. So I just want him and Kim Jong-un just fight it out, mano a mano, and leave us alone. There you, you go. Let the, two, let the two of them meet in Guam and wrestle or something. I don't know. Absolutely. So, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, there's no way to not talk about that or, or, you know, the fact that Congress, the people with the best health care in the world are voting against us getting health care. Like, I... How does John McCain get free brain surgery and then go vote against healthcare? Yeah. What the hell? <laughs> you know, so, yeah, so there's a lot of social commentary going on. And, uh, you know, having been in Canada for three weeks, that gives you another perspective because oh, yeah. you get to look at it from the outside looking in and try to explain that to them and make it make sense. You know what I mean? Try yeah. to, you know try to explain why our country doesn't have health care and as you're saying it you're like yeah this is ridiculous so there's a lot a lot of stuff there but uh and i you know i've got conservative friends that are like you know well because it's uh the government shouldn't be involved as a and i i I understand that and if if the other 23 countries behind us didn't have it i'd be right there with you but they do yeah we're the only one that doesn't it's crazy well, not, not only that, it, it's like, it's, the government doesn't, it's not even the government doing the health care. That's, that's yeah, what's that's ridiculous about that argument, right? Exactly. It's still insurance companies. Yeah. The government isn't paying for it. The insurance companies are. Yeah. You know? So, you know, whenever I hear those arguments, it's like, it's, it's, it's an old saying. It's like, hey, don't bother me with the facts. My mind is made up. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, and I... And it's, do you find yourself, though, when someone is making the opposite, do you ever think, well, maybe I'm the crazy one? Every now and then I'm thinking, yeah, because yeah, people can be very insistent about things. Well, I mean, yeah, you guys, I mean, Ohio is one of the swing states, right, where yep. people literally are voting against their own interests, like where you're voting against health care, and then they just pull, didn't one of the big insurance companies just pull out? They were threatening to. They were threatening to. Yeah, a couple of them were, actually. And then the other thing about it, you know, that I love is the fact that, you know, the Republicans claim to be the religious party. And, uh, you know, again, I'm I'm no expert on religion, but I think Jesus likes health care. I think so. I just think that'd be one of his things. (laughs) Yeah. 
Jesus did. Jesus wasn't sucking lepers to see if they had insurance. No. He, was, he didn't, so. even, didn't even take a copay, if I'm reading my Bible correctly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the copay was your fingers falling off. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, and, so, yeah, so I, I talk about all of that. And also, you know, some of the lighter stuff. I mean, you know, being single and the fact that now between um, between swipe and right and Uber, you know, you literally can get women delivered to the house. So we're living in an unprecedented time. Yeah, well, Good to be a young man. Get Tinder and Uber, your entire dating life is reduced to two apps. <laughs> so, well, how's that working out for you? Because we spoke to Kate Quigley a couple weeks ago, and uh, mixed results there. You know, of course, she's a hot blonde lady, and you know, you're a, you know, a, a... Yeah, things a little easier for Kate. Yeah. Well, you would think so, but she gets a lot of... <laughs> I'd imagine she gets a lot of creeps. Yeah. So... Well, you know... It's... Yeah, I mean, she gets hit on by a lot of creeps. I don't know how many of them she goes out with. That's my whole thing to avoid being creepy. Yeah, right? I'm, I'm at the age. I'm the I'm the old bachelor, so I right. got to avoid being creepy. So, yeah, well, even when you know, and, even when you're married, it's it's difficult. You know what's what's appropriate. Like, there's that big controversy now about the guy that said uh, he loved his wife because she I'm was sorry. Uh, that guy kind of broke up. Uh, the, there's a big controversy about the guy that. Uh, Posted on Instagram, they loved his curvy wife, and everybody got all mad at him. And I'm like, you know, this is just why I keep my mouth shut. Yeah. Hang on a second. Sure. For some reason, you're cutting in and out. Okay. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you fine. Maybe it's where I'm standing. So you were saying about Instagram? Yeah, the, this guy, he, he uh, posted about how he loved his curvy wife, and then people got all mad at him. And uh, even though he was, well, he was, it, it was kind of an idiotic post if you read the whole thing. But he, uh, you know, he was trying to give some props to curvy women, his wife included, and people got all mm-hmm. mad at him. And I'm just like, this is why I keep my mouth shut. Just don't. Well, you know, you gotta re- you gotta remember that Instagram, uh, Twitter, Facebook. You better remember that ain't real. It's, yeah. it's like high school, right? It's the popular kids, the cool kids, the nerds, the kind of weird, creepy ones. You know what I mean? It's, Never read the comments. That's my deal with social media. That's funny. Put it out there. That. Never read the comments because if you read the comments, you're going to get upset. Yes, you know? it's funny you should say that. My 13 uh, year old is on Instagram. She's drawing a lot now. She's really gotten into art. She's really good, and she'll post her pictures. She has a, an account on Instagram just for her drawings. And I'm like, don't ever read the comments. I mean, you'll read some good ones, and people are mostly supportive, but you're, then you're going to see the, some bad ones too. People are just going to be jerky for no reason. And she knows they're being jerky for no reason, and she doesn't get upset about it, but I'm like, I would still not, you know, as they said in Spinal Tap. Really? Could she, could she teach our president that? <laughs> right? Because, <laughs> oh, let him get a bad comment. Oh, my goodness. Anything. Yeah, anything, anything like that. Speaking of, back to this, you know, talking about the president uh, thing, I guess you're also, a lot of folks I've talked to have also said, well, we're also trying to provide an escape, so it's nice to maybe not talk about that at all. And like you said, talk about you know, social issues or just things that might have happened to you that day. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, listen, I'm a platinum traveler. I could give you 30 minutes on the use of airlines. The next step in airline travel is they're just going to have a guy with a stick who beats you in the head and you just, <laughs> you're happy when he stops hitting you. Like, that's going to be first class when the guy <laughs> stops hitting you with a stick. There's, there's just... You know, I talk about that. Uh, travel 
has become just uh, crazy and abusive. I mean, it's, yeah, there's a lot of stuff in life. This day to day, we're dealing with, you know, traffic, work, you name it. It's, yeah. it's, it's funny everywhere. And uh, it's just my job to point it out. There you go. Um, think about it, though. I mean, it is, it is easier than it was, you know, back in the old days. I heard this thing on NPR where they said they did this thought exercise, and they said, you know, in the 1400s, you went around with your cart and your horse and you tried to sell stuff and you pooped in a hole in the ground. That was pretty much it. And that was pretty much the way things were all the way up until the mid-1800s. And then... It, yeah, but you know, we're, we're heading back to that. I mean, just, you know, one nuke from Trump, one nuke say, from Kim Jong-un, and yeah. you're back with your cart and your horse and pooping in a hole in the ground. That's right. That's I, what we're shooting for. I, I had a teacher say that, and You know something else? Some days, that guy who's pooping in a hole in the ground, you're like, yeah, life is easy. Yeah, maybe I'll give it a shot. It isn't that complex. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. He used to have a. Te- I know this. He borrowed this quote, but a teacher of ours used to say that you know World War uh, Two was fought with with machines, and World War Three uh, will be fought with uh, nuclear weapons, and World War Four will be fought with sticks and knives. Yeah, sti- yeah, yeah, that's and famous quote. yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, let let's hope we don't find out that to be true. But, uh, you know, there's a lot to be said for trying to simplify or get off the grid, you know. I talked about, like, it's a generational thing. Like, every generation thinks the previous generation is crazy, right? So now you have people, like, say you're you're a young millennial or something. They they looked at us. I'm at that age where I grew up. We didn't have the Internet, right? We had to read books and go to the library. And we had to, you know, your phone had a cord. They're like, oh, my God, you know. Yeah. But then I look at look at your parents' generation, and it's like, well, they didn't have color TV or anything like that, you know? And then they're looking at their parents' generation, they're like, hey, they had to catch their food. So, yeah, exa- yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, everybody thinks it was crazy in the old days. But I will say one thing, though, we talked about the 1400s, and it's one of the things I love about comedy. Back then, you had the court jester. Yes. And the beauty of the court jester was he was the only one who could tell the king the truth, right? He was the only guy allowed to speak truth to power. Now, if he wasn't funny, they'd chop his head off, but he did get to talk shit to the king, which had to be a bonus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because everybody else would be, would be scared to, to say anything. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, so, look, Game of Thrones is either our past or our future. Or both. I guess we're not really sure. <laughs> yeah, it's just, uh, I don't know, is this, is this weird? I mean, you know, you're out amongst uh, America. I mean, how do we get to this point? I mean, is it, are there, is it a concentrated band of idiots that really got together and said this is... Cause he, sorry, you're breaking up again. Oh, sorry. I where I was. I was Every say, time I move, I seem to lose you. It, I say, so you were saying I'm out amongst America? What was yeah, the question? Yeah, so well, how did we get to this point, do you reckon? Because he's a 37% approval rating. And yet, a ste- you know, he, he just steamrolls right ahead with all this, all this craziness. But you know what? You know what I see in my travels. We have two countries, right? So the coasts are one country, and the middle is another. And then the south, I can't explain to you at all. So we'll just cross <laughs> them off the list. All right. But uh, you really, you know, it's it's honestly, it's like dealing with two different Americas because when you're when you're on the coast, a lot of things that people take for granted, um, racial diversity, uh, open-mindedness toward lifestyle, and so on, 
then you go into the middle of the country, people are a lot more uniform. They're not used to seeing different. Uh, and a lot of people are afraid of it yeah. or angry at it or, or whatever, you know. I mean, racism, which never went away, sort of got emboldened with Trump talking all his smack. Suddenly people felt it was okay to say, I'm just saying what I think. It's like, <laughs> well, you, we think you're a horrible racist, but they think it's okay, you know. Exactly. Um, oh, my God. And, and nobody's... Nobody's calling them on it. Although, what's funny to me about it, they're always very cautious where they do it, right? So, you know, it's, it's like, yeah, I, I'll be racist somewhere where it's all white and it's safe, but I'm not going to go to a black neighborhood or to a Latino neighborhood and voice my views because I may just get my ass kicked. <laughs> yeah. And, and when you say we still have racism, so I think... I'm sorry. So when you say there's there's still racism, I think you're forgetting we had a black president. And then all went that all went away. Nobody was ever mean. Yeah, to that guy. And, and you know there were some people that were so angry about that they never looked at any of his policies or any. It's funny, like everything they say about Trump, like oh we'll give him a chance. Well, don't disrespect him. This or that. They're like, uh, were you around for you for the last eight years? You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's like the coin has flipped. And you, how do you explain it? I don't know. But but if you bring up race, they're like, no, it's not race. It's like this backwards logic, yeah, yeah. right? <clears throat> that if someone does something racist, and then you say it's racist, they're like, well, why are you bringing race into it? <laughs> what I always said about Obama's time in the White House is, is when there was criticism. I don't think it was always uh, a race thing, as a lot of liberals thought, but it was way more of a race thing than conservatives would admit. Because remember, these people hated Bill Clinton, a man that gutted welfare and took out the Glass-Steagall Act, and they still tried to get rid of him. That's Jimmy Dore's joke and observation, not mine, but yeah. he's exactly right. <laughs> he's exactly right. <laughs> right. No, it wasn't It wasn't all race. It was just the denial that any of it was race. No, right, it right. wasn't all race. Listen. If you're if you're a multimillionaire and you don't want to pay taxes, you know you. I understand that. Sure, that that's a different case. But but it was just that that blanket. Whatever he says, we're going to vote no. It was that. Um, it was that type of mentality that you couldn't deal with. You know. Yeah, I wonder if he'd have been in the position that Clinton was in if he would have said, "Well, okay, we'll cut welfare and we'll get rid of the Blast Eagle Act or do something like." And they probably still wouldn't have done it because they just didn't. They didn't no, then they would have been. They would have become pro welfare. Exactly. I always thought it would have been fun if he adopted every Republican policy just to watch them switch. <laughs> yeah. Just, Wait a minute. What? He wants to do what? what? No, that's no. We're going to help poor people. Cut millions. Wait a minute. Taxes. We don't want to help poor. Oh my God, we're confused. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Funny. Well, um, it's been a good chat, Alonzo, as always, and uh, we'll see you here in Cincinnati next week. I'll, um, my wife is interested, interested him in going. So, uh, the show is going to be fun. Yeah. Hopefully there is a show. Hopefully we're not nuked between That's true. now and Friday. That, yeah, that is assuming, true. Assuming we're all still here. 50-50 shot. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to cover a lot of topics, and I don't care if you agree with me or disagree with me, as long as you laugh. Exactly. All right, man. We'll get talking to you. And uh, this the podcast will drop a week from Sunday. It'll actually drop the Sunday that you're in town, and the uh, the print piece will run Monday in the paper. All right. Well, thanks for having me in. All right. Thanks, Lonzo. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye. Thanks again to Alonzo Bowden for being on the show. I did not bring Alonzo Bowden's tour dates with me. I'm recording this uh, stuff remotely. 
So just go to his website and or his fan page on Facebook and you can find out where Alonzo is going to be. Like I said, if he's uh, not on TV doing a TV project, he is touring somewhere. And that's going to bring us to the song of the week. Song of the week was going to be London Grammar, but I'm going to push that back uh, because I heard George Ezra's new song on Radio 1 this morning. I really dig it. And you may remember him. He did a song called Budapest. Got the 32 in the United States. Got to number 3 in the UK. Although North American listeners probably are hearing it in grocery stores now. It's probably pretty popular on music. As is Blame It On Me, which got to 6 in the UK. Did not chart here. Uh, listen to the man, Casio. Other good tunes of his. Uh, George Ezra should be happening in America. Let's, let's see if we can get that sorted, okay? In the meantime, like I said, this is a nice little uh, bouncy sort of end-of-summer tune. Uh, I wish we would release it a few weeks earlier because it is it is a very summery kind of tune. Uh, and here we are in the kind of the final days of summer. But it's a great tune. George Ezra, Don't Matter Now. It's our song of the week on PF Tape Recorder. So long and thanks for listening. Sometimes you need to be alone. It don't matter now. Shut the door, unplug the phone. Speaking a language they don't know Well, I don't think about that stuff No, I don't think about that stuff It don't matter now Build a castle out to sing And it won't stand It don't matter now But with a suitcase in your hand It don't matter now. Well, I don't think about that stuff No, I don't think about that stuff It don't matter now